You're listening to the sermon podcast by First Christian Church in Wadsworth, Ohio. Our Eastertide series focuses on witness and wonder. We hope you find it meaningful. Our first passage today comes from 1 John 5, 1-6. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies, for the Spirit is the truth. And our second passage is from John 15, 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Not being chosen for something can be really difficult. As a child, I can still remember that awful feeling, as I talked about with the little ones, about being the last one picked for a team. But honestly, it doesn't get a whole lot easier as we move into adolescence or even adulthood. That feeling that we get when we don't make the cut for the team, we don't get chosen for the role in the play, don't get accepted to the college that we had set our heart on, don't get the job that we applied for, get rejected by a romantic interest, or get passed over for a promotion at work. Not being chosen for something that we want is a bitter pill to swallow. But the truth is that being chosen comes with its own set of hardships. What if I do make the team, or do get into the college, or do get that job promotion, but what if I'm not up for the task and I can't hack it? What if I let other people down? What if I make a fool of myself? Being chosen can feel heavy and burdensome. 
And I think one of the main reasons is that it often feels like we are all alone, that we have to make it by ourselves, purely by our own abilities and efforts. I think this is why today's passages from Scripture are so important to take to heart. Being chosen by God to be a witness of God's love in the world is intended not as a burden, but for our joy. As Ken read for us from John 15, Jesus says, I tell you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, it's, it's not that being called by God to love as Christ loves is always going to be easy. Certainly, all of the accounts that we have been reading throughout this Easter season about the early followers of Jesus and the challenges that they faced in bearing witness to God's love in the world, we hear that they went through rejection and imprisonment and even beatings. But what I find remarkable about these events that we've been reading about in the, the, in the scriptures is not so much the wonders and the miracles that the first followers accomplished in the name of Christ, but the spirit in which they accomplished them. This witness of true love and joy and peace. One of my very favorite stories is the story of Paul and Silas, who after being beaten and thrown in jail, are found at midnight singing songs of praise to God. Meanwhile, an earthquake hits the jail, breaking their chains, opening all the doors to all of the cells, not just theirs, but every prisoner there. The jailer awakes and being afraid that everyone has escaped, is about to take his life, but is stopped when Paul shouts out, don't harm yourself, we're all here. How, I marvel, are they able to respond to such difficult circumstances with songs of joy at midnight and even compassion for this jailer? It reminds me of a modern-day account often told by the Dalai Lama about a Tibetan monk who had been in a Chinese prison where for 22 years he underwent torture. When he reached the Dalai Lama after his freedom, he was asked, what were you afraid of most while in prison? And he replied, I was afraid that I might lose my compassion towards the torturers. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that I understand exactly how all of the crazy stuff with Paul and Silas went down, or even to be able to grasp completely what the prisoner was getting at. But I can tell you that 
I long to live in such a way that I can find joy and treat others with compassion even under the most difficult circumstances. As our scripture from 1 John reminds us, being chosen by God as a witness for love is not meant to feel heavy or daunting, but light and freeing. God's commandments are not burdensome, we hear, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. Now the scriptures go on to instruct us how to achieve this sense of joy and freedom. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, Jesus says. Abide in my love. When I read this familiar passage, Abide with me, I think of two things. The first thing I think of is that lovely evening hymn, Abide With Me, which is one of my personal favorite comfort hymns. You know those hymns or songs that we sing when we want to find that place of comfort and peace? I also think of my childhood Sunday school days, the lovely felt boards. I can still picture the green vine, which is Jesus, and the cluster of grapes that the teacher would put under it and explain that this is the fruit that we bear when we abide in Jesus. Now, I love both of these images from our tradition, and maybe some of you find them inspiring. But I would also like to share with you today another way to imagine the spiritual practice of abiding with Jesus. I came across this recently, and I found it really enriching for myself. It's from an author named Andrew Otto, who's a leader in Ignatian spirituality. He writes this. One of the primary goals of the spiritual life is to journey toward being our fullest and truest selves. When we live out of our true self, we find ourselves living and contributing to God's dream for the world. This means following the deep desires of our heart. These desires, Ignatius tells us, are the deep and good desires that propel our lives forward toward God. These have to do with our heart's longings our hopes and our dreams, the gifts that we've been given, our life's circumstances, our talents. When we follow the desires that arise from these things, we find that they are aligned with God's desires. When we use the gifts in our lives in ways that build God's kingdom, contribute to God's dream for the world, then we find ourselves in the flow of God's will. Now, we've all experienced this flow, he goes on to say, when we're in a moment of living our true selves. Maybe it's when we're working on a project that we're passionate about, or hiking in the woods, or baking a cake, or volunteering, 
or spending quality time with our kids. These are moments when we're brought outside of our small egos and move towards God and neighbor. We're in the flow of creative love. But how do we always know if we are abiding in this flow of God's love and contributing to building up God's beloved community? One clue is that we will feel drawn and not driven. Our family watched uh, the Disney movie Moana on Friday night. I've seen it twice before. Clark had never seen it. But this time, when we watched it together, I was really struck by three pivotal scenes in the movie. The first is a scene very early on when Moana, who's just a tiny toddler, is drawn to the seashore. And she toddles through the sand towards the waves collecting shells as the water parts in front of her. And there's a look on her face of pure delight and joy. The second scene comes towards the end of the movie when all hope seems lost and Moana is given the choice of returning home or venturing on the journey. And after some moments of reflection, she embraces her future with a sense of excitement. And then the final scene, which is the climactic moment of the movie, excuse me, Moana is walking towards this fearsome lava creature called Taka. And she's doing it with such a sense of strength and purpose and a look of love on her face. In each of these little moments, little scenes, Moana responds with joy and love and excitement to the challenge before her. It is clear that she's living her truest self, not being driven by the expectations of others, but allowing herself to be drawn towards her true purpose. When we live into the flow, we allow God's love to abide in us and move through us, compelling us to live more fully the true and authentic lives that we are called to live. I invite you this week to take time in prayer and meditation to explore Where is the loving energy in your life right now? Where are you being drawn? And where do you see yourself bearing fruit? Amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us online at fccwadsworth.org. There you can find our blog with sermon transcripts and more, as well as information about our church, including our beliefs and history, links to worship and give, and our many ministries with folks of all ages. We hope you'll also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. 
you are welcome here. Thank you.